Hey everybody, welcome to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast from Pursue God. I'm Brian, that's Ross over there, and Ross, today we are in our fifth and final week on what Mormons believe. You can find all this at PursueGod.org forward slash Mormonism, but Ross, so far we've talked about what Mormons believe about God, what they believe about scripture, what they believe about uh, humanity, what they believe about salvation, and today we're going to finally, it's almost like part two of last week's topic, because it really goes hand in hand with salvation. We're going to talk about what Mormons believe about eternity. Actually, it all goes hand in hand with everything. Right. But maybe right. some people are saying, well, why are there only five weeks to this? Are these the only five things that Mormons believe? Yeah. Uh, no, obviously, there's so many things that that are ancillary to these things. So you, you would dig in a lot deeper and, and look at all the interesting implications of these things, but, but what we're trying to do in this, in this short introductory series is to establish the core Mormon worldview and, and, um, and show how that worldview is different from the core worldview of Christianity, so of historic biblical Christianity. So we're looking at what are the key issues that define a worldview from a religious perspective. And and you and as we as you said, Brian, they're all tied together because we started by saying that God uh, is an exalted man, and that we could become gods like Him, and that kind of leads us then into like, okay, what happens then after death? What happens to us um, as human beings when this life is over? What happens in the next life? And it seems like the older we get, Ross, the more we think about eternity. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I thought very much about eternity when I was in high school, but I think about eternity now, and it matters. And a lot of people, a lot of people have questions about eternity, and Mormonism provides some answers yeah. that that we're going to explain, and then the Bible provides some answers, and we're going to see that those answers are very different. Mm-hmm. And so let's start with this: Mormons believe that. Almost everyone goes to some level of heaven. So, Ross, let's talk about levels of heaven for Mormons and where it comes from. In fact, let's make sure to talk about a little place in the Bible where it talks about levels of heaven as well. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I want to do too. So the, the LDS, so they have they have this idea that there's three levels of heaven or three degrees of glory, as they will often uh, say. Um, from low to high, the lowest is called the telestial kingdom. The middle one is called the terrestrial kingdom, and the highest one is called the celestial kingdom. And um, and they and they would expand on that and say that really even within those three levels, there's there's also um, sublevels. So some people will say, well, there's three levels of the celestial kingdom and three levels of, but that that's more that gets more into um, speculative. Um, thinking, but this idea is that there's multiple levels of heaven, so there's something there for everybody. Everybody's going to go to some level of heaven, pretty much everybody. We'll talk about the alternative in a minute, but um, each one is is going to go to celestial, terrestrial, telestial, based on you know their their life, their works, how how they lived. Okay, so let's start from the highest heaven and work our way backward. So. The celestial kingdom is the highest heaven for Mormons. Mm-hmm. Who gets to go there? Well, this is um, this is where people who have been faithful, faithful Mormons who have committed to uh, living out the regulations of their of their um, of their approach, their religion, and fulfilled all the right ordinances of their religion, um, are able to make it into the celestial kingdom. What sets that apart is that's where God the Father lives. And that's also where a person can continue to progress into eternity toward deity themselves. We'll talk about that idea of becoming gods um, in a minute, but that's where that happens in the celestial kingdom. And that was what we called last time when we had the salvation conversation, they call that exaltation. Exaltation, right. Okay, so we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more just in a second. So let's go to the, to the next one down. What's the next one? Down? Is it terrestrial? Terrestrial. Or? Okay, yeah. terrestrial is number two. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's so that that's for uh, typically it's described as for people who are Mormons but didn't fulfill all the requirements for exaltation. Maybe they weren't totally zealous, or they were you know kind of half-hearted in their faith, or they just didn't quite measure up. But a lot of times, I, I've seen th- people think that um, if there's honorable 
Jesus-loving, God-fearing people outside of Mormonism who never joined the Mormon Church, that they would be in this second level mm. of heaven. So it's not just for Mormons. So my Mormon friends might possibly, depending on how I behave in this podcast, they might possibly believe that I could make it to the terrestrial kingdom. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. So they, you know, they give us. Oh, thank you for that, Mormons. You know, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, you know. Um, I'm delighted. And, and it's interesting. What's interesting is that the way they envision the terrestrial kingdom is probably parallels in many ways the way Christians envision heaven described in the Bible. Hmm. So I guess we'll be happy in the Mormon heaven because it'll be a lot like, you know, in the second heaven because hmm. it'll be a lot like, because what's missing there is the idea that we could become exalted. Hmm. You know, so. Okay, I'm going to save this question. I'm going to let you explain the telestial first, and then I want to ask you about movement between kingdoms. So, yeah, yeah. the so the telestial is the lowest level of heaven. What is that? Yeah, that's um, first of all, that word doesn't really mean anything. That's Joseph Smith made it up, hmm. telestial. Um, but it'll be populated by everybody who you know followed the world instead of following Jesus. And you know what? This is. Um, it's not just moral people who didn't uh, follow God, whatever. This lowest level of heaven is for everybody who, who uh, you know, criminals, thieves, murderers, adulterers, false prophets, um, you name it, people that, in, that traditionally folks would have thought, oh, those are the people who go to hell. Mm. You know, we know that's not totally accurate either from mm-hmm. a biblical perspective, mm-hmm. but, but in, in, common, um, in common cultural lore you think those are the people who are in hell. Hmm. But in, in the Mormon world, even the lowest low lowlifes of society and the criminals, etc., go to a level of heaven. It's just not as glorious as the heavens that are above them. Hmm. Okay, so, all right. So, Ross, can... Oh, I've got so many questions for you. Can a, can a person, when they, when they die, and they'll go to telestial, terrestrial, or celestial... Is there advancement? Can I move up a level after I die? No, you can't. So the whole idea, the whole premise of the Mormon worldview, you could sum it up in the phrase eternal progression. So progressing from the spirit world before we were born uh, into this life, and we do well in this life, we progress in the next life to a a higher um, level of heaven, a higher kingdom. Um, But one definition... No, I, growing up LDS, I heard was um, the definition of damnation. Mm. Um, if you if you're damned, um, that that is me, me, is essentially a cessation of progress, like like damming up a river. Yeah, which is kind of like which is spelled differently, but yeah, that's right. the idea though. That's how it, I've heard it too. You yeah. can't you can't progress anymore. And mm. so if I make it to the second level of heaven, the terrestrial kingdom or whatever, I can't I can no longer progress. I'm stuck there for eternity. And, and part of the, I guess, damnation of that is knowing what could have been. Mm. Maybe knowing I could have made, if only I had joined the Mormon church and, mm. and done all these rituals, et cetera, that I could have been up there. Mm. You know, but now I'm stuck here, in a sense. Okay, so now, people who listened to last week's episode, we talked about proxy baptisms and how people can be baptized here on earth and fulfill ordinances for you. So then why are they doing that if there's no progression after you die? Well, that's the, that's the difference. So, they, so in the spirit prison before the final judgment, mm-hmm. then they still have that second chance. We talked about the second chance. Once the final judgment and you go into your level of heaven, there's no more chances. Okay, well, that's helpful for me to know. I, I, I guess I didn't realize that. So the spirit prison is something different. Yeah. So yeah. you go to spirit prison first for how long? Well, it's until okay, so here let me let me elaborate on that just a little bit. This is what historically Christians would call the intermediate state. Mm. So it's between death and final judgment. Mm. And 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 the LDS church talks actually about the spirit world and there's two places in the spirit world. One is spirit paradise and one is spirit prison. And so the in paradise um, those are the ones who are on their on their way to higher whatever, and then, um, but the the ones who are in paradise are proselytizing proselytizing the ones who are in spirit prison, mm. 
And so the ones in spirit prison have a chance to hear the gospel, the Mormon gospel. They've never had a chance to hear that maybe because they were born in China in 1000 BC mm. or whatever. And then they have a chance to hear it and they say yes to it. Now they're just waiting for the ordinance to be done on their behalf and they could switch over to spirit paradise. Ah. That's all prior to the final judgment. And then after the final judgment is when the sorting takes place into these different levels of heaven. Okay, and so then from spirit paradise, you can go to any one of these three levels still? Potentially. That So this is where it gets murky, because um, Mormons don't particularly love to... Um, None of, some of this is not nailed down. Some of the implications of this system are not all nailed down by official standard Mormonism. So some, sometimes Mormonism, Mormons love to speculate about it, and they get opinions about it. It's kind of like, you know, um, coffee table talk. Mm-hmm. Others say, well, we just don't know, we can't know, and they're just happy to be agnostic about some of the details. Well, what about spirit prison? Can if you never get out of spirit prison to paradise, is that does that automatically put you in the lowest level of heaven? Maybe. Okay. So Maybe. another one of those things yeah, that they're not. Nobody, they don't, nobody quite. Nobody knows because you know you might go to spirit prison and end up in the second level of heaven. Mm. You might go to, but you've heard the you've heard of the Mormon gospel mm-hmm. and you've rejected it. Mm-hmm. You know, but maybe you have a chance to accept it in the next life, and someone, your 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 neighbor or whatever, says, you know, I'm going to go get baptized right. for Brian Dwyer. Right. Okay, let, I'm going to put you on the spot with this next question, Ross. You might not know the answer to this, but I want you to give your best shot at this. If I were to grab the average Mormon from a ward, I go over to my local ward, and I grab him, and I say, if you were to die today, which level of heaven would you go to? Do you think there'd be a standard answer? I think there would be a standard answer. I think the standard answer would, would be, I don't know. Hmm. I hope I would make it to the celestial kingdom, but I can't really quite be sure mm. if I've really lived up to everything I'm supposed to do. Mm. That's good. I'll, I'll accept that answer, Ross. That's good. Okay, and we'll talk a little bit about this yeah. biblically as well. Yeah. I think it's important to talk about this biblically as well. So I, what I'm reading into what you're saying is there might be some angst around this yeah, for Mormons. Mm-hmm. Even though, again, just like so many things we've talked about, when I, when I listen to this, the, the logical side of me says, that's great. I love the idea of working for it. I love the idea of gradation. I hate the idea of everyone gets the A, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, it, this appeals to me, especially to me, because most people tell me I would have been a good Mormon, because I'm a hardworking guy. I was, right. I'm a straight-A student, and I hated it when I was put in a group Right in school, and everyone got yep. the same grade. I yep. hated that. Yep. Okay, so again, there's something about this that appeals to people. Some yeah. people, probably especially a little bit self righteous people, if you can't hear that. Right? In my, yeah, in my no, totally. You know. No, well, at least everybody in this system, at least everybody gets to see. Exactly, right. and so there's something about it also that's like, look, nobody, nobody's mean spirited here. Like, right. I don't want, I don't want you to go to hell. Right, but you shouldn't go to the same heaven that I get to go to. Right, because you didn't earn it. Because you didn't earn right. it. So you can see how this really is part two of last week's. You know, mm-hmm. this really is about salvation yeah. and this whole really wrestling with this idea. In fact, Jesus has a parable about this with the parable of the workers and and yeah. you know, there's a worker, the, the workers that come early in the day and they work in this field, and then throughout the day, the work, the the tenant or the uh, the boss hires more and more workers, and at the end of the day. He pays everybody the same wage, right? And so, yeah. and it, what that really is, do what Jesus he's telling that parable because he's he's trying to get us to understand how the kingdom of heaven works, because every one of us, me included, we cry out, "That's not fair! Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. fair yeah. that the the guys who've been working since five a.m. are getting paid the same as the guys who started at at an hour before closing time. They're getting paid the same, and the in the parable, Jesus says, the, the employer says, well, wait a second. Why are you saying it's not fair? I told you right. when, when I hired you, I told you what the wage is. I'm not going back on right. that. And you agreed to work for that wage. And you yeah. agreed to it. And so again, what Jesus is getting at, let's go to this now, Ross, is he's getting at a, the biblical perspective, the biblical perspective on this, this whole thing. So Mormons believe that almost everyone goes to some level of heaven, but what is, what is the Bible teach, in contrast. Yeah, the Bible talks only about two destinations after this life is over, heaven and hell. Um, 
so every every human being is going to face one of those two eternal destinies, um, destruction or life, um, the, the, the broad way or the narrow way, as Jesus put it, um, eternal punishment or eternal life, in the, eternally separated from God or eternally present with God. Um, that's it, two, two alternatives. And is there a rubric that God is going to use to sort them out? Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't have anything to do with, like you said, if you made the A or the mm-hmm. C or the B or whatever it is. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 36 says, Anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. And anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. So it's ultimately, what do you do with Jesus? You know, believe in Him. The, the biblical word means trust in Him. Mm. And if you, if you don't believe in Him, don't obey Him, because obedience, we saw in our last episode, is the result of a right relationship with God. So it becomes the evidence of a lack of trusting in Jesus. So he says, basically, what do you do with Jesus? Do you trust in him, or, or, or do you reject him? That's the difference. Okay, Russ, what would you say to the person? We just spent 20 minutes explaining the, Mormon, the Mormon's conception of three different levels and all this kind of stuff, and gradation, and, and there's some progress going on there, and there's, there's, it's just a, it kind of makes a little bit more sense to the American mind, I think, to the mm-hmm. hardworking, pull-yourself-up-by-your-bootstraps mm-hmm. mentality. And then you literally just explain the biblical view in two minutes. What would you say to the person who says, I like the Mormon picture better? That's the heaven I want to go to. Yeah, well, two things, practical a practical, and, a, and a, I guess a big picture. The big picture thing is like, okay, this is not real, because <laughs> the Bible doesn't tell us that it's real. Yeah, so you can't, yeah. if you want to go there, too bad, you can't too go bad. there, it you, doesn't you exist. You can never possibly go there because it doesn't exist, because we base on our understanding of reality and what God has revealed in the Bible. It's not biblical. Now, it, it can appear biblical because it reflects, Joseph Smith was drawing from a text in 1 Corinthians 15, he's talking about the resurrection. He says, um, there are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. Now, heaven, the the word for that is uh, uh, is celestial. There are bodies on the earth. It's terrestrial, terra, terra mm-hmm. firma. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and stars each have another kind, and even the stars differ from each other in their glory. It's the same way with the resurrection of the dead. But what he's saying, first of all, he makes two distinctions in the resurrection. He makes two distinctions here, heavenly and earthly. There's no telestial, there's no third one mm-hmm. there. But what he's saying is that this is the, the nature of the resurrection. He's not comparing results of what happened after the resurrection, he's comparing the resurrection body with the mortal body that we live in now. Mm-hmm. There's a heavenly body, and there's a earthly body. We live in the earthly body now, and it's broken and frail and so forth, but one day it's going to be transformed to a different kind of glory. That's the a point he's making if you look through uh, 1 Corinthians 15 uh, in context. And so it's not biblical, and the verses that support it in Mormonism don't really are are not really uh, ought to be interpreted the way they interpret them. Okay, and there's one more verse Mormons will throw at you. They'll throw that one at you, First Corinthians 15. That was a good explanation, Ross. But then they'll also throw that part. I don't remember where it is where where Paul talks about being caught up to the third heaven. Yeah, explain that. Yeah, it's in it's in Second um, Corinthians 12. I well wait, I should. If I don't look it up, I should be careful to quote. Yeah. But Paul says, yeah, he says, thought caught up into the third heaven. Um, so if you understand the cosmology of the ancient world, how they looked at reality, they looked at, there were three kinds of heavens that they looked at. Number one, the heavens uh, on the lowest level would be the atmosphere. And we use the, that language even today. We talk to, you know, the birds of the air, the heavens, you know, the birds of the heavens or whatever, the clouds crossing the heavens. The second level of heaven in their cosmology was the dome of the sky at night. So they viewed they viewed the universe out there. You look up at the stars, they viewed it as being like, well, how we would look at a, like a planetarium, like you're sitting in a planetarium, that there's actually a physical dome up there that the stars are embedded in. That was their second. So you talk about the stars of the heavens. And then the third level of heaven was the abode of God. So Paul's saying he's caught up to the abode of God. That's all he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's, not, he didn't, he's not saying celestial kingdom. Right. 
So these other two things are not lower levels of heaven that you could aspire to or, or reach after death. They're just um, different levels of the cosmos in the ancient worldview. Yeah, that's why it's so important. I'm speaking to Christians out, well, to everybody, but to Christians out there, if, if someone ever throws something like that at you, like, don't, don't, don't fall for it. There's yeah. a there as you study scripture, this was this was the clear explanation when Paul talks about the third heaven. This the solution is just to summarize what you just said, Ross. Is he's just talking about what we would call heaven? Yeah, that's, that's all. right. He's just that's talking right. about what we would. But in his language, in his day, the third heaven is what they called heaven because then they they called the stratosphere the second heaven and they called the just the sky the first yeah. heaven yeah. essentially. Yeah, and so. So again, when somebody, if someone were to come at you and say, "Look, this the Mormon conception of three of levels of heaven is more biblical because of these two places," that's called proof texting. That's yeah. called taking something that you want to believe and then finding scripture that you could somehow fit right. the language or the wording in that scripture without really understanding the context, right. fitting it in to yeah, prove your point. Yeah, that's a great example of that. Yeah. One more verse about about the Bible and and heaven and hell. John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus again speaking, he says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed over from death to life. And so these are just a couple of examples of what the Bible teaches that, again, there's not a waiting place, there's not a spirit prison, there's not a spirit paradise, there's heaven and there's hell Everybody goes to one of those two places in the end after the mm-hmm, judgment, mm-hmm. and and the 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 decision is simple. It has nothing to do with your works. It has to do with your faith. It has to do with what you believed in. That's why it's yeah. so important if you're listening to this podcast to place your faith in Jesus Christ to trust yeah. Jesus for salvation. Let me let me throw one other little personal note in here before we move on to the the next concept. So um, earlier this year, I have a brother who passed away. He had cancer and he he, he died. Um, I had a sister who passed away a couple years ago. Um, my parents are gone. So after my younger brother passed away, um, one of my other brothers, who's very dyed-in-the-wool Mormon, he's very faithful, true blue Mormon, um, he posted on social media about how, you know, it was great to think that now my parents and my brother and my sister are all now united together. And I'm going like, wait, my brother was not an active Mormon. Hmm. He was not a temple Mormon. He had repudiated Mormonism. My sister was a very active Mormon. She and her husband worked in the temple as in their retirement, doing the ordinances like we talked about, the proxy ordinances. My parents were active Latter-day Saints. So I'm going, I, you know, how in the Mormon worldview would he would would he see my brother who was an apostate being reunited with my other faithful LDS family members uh, you know you'd think that at very worst you know maybe he's maybe he's thinking about spirit the spirit world or paradise or spirit prison or something but it didn't make sense in terms of the cosmology mm. uh, that as i understood it so um so what, the lesson I got out of that was that um, Latter-day Saints, this is the framework, they believe this, they'll talk this way, but I think there's also, on an individual basis, there's probably some also room for variation mm-hmm. on, from one Mormon to another about how they actually think about it in practice. But in general, let's, let's move to this other point, and let's make sure to come back, Ross, because I want to make sure to talk about outer darkness. But, but oh, yeah, yeah. while you brought up this story, I think it's good to talk about this this really interesting idea connected to eternity for Mormons that you, that you just alluded to is that Mormons believe that families are eternal, that the family unit or the family is the unit of exaltation. You know, we talk about this progression and that without being united to a family for eternity, a person cannot be exalted, which again is just a very different concept. It's not a biblical concept. It's very much a Mormon concept. I don't know if it started with Joseph Smith or not. Maybe it just developed over time. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure exactly where it started. There's some speculation about his relationship with his family. He had an older brother who died when he was a teenage, when Joseph Smith was an early teen, and, and a lot of people have speculated that the whole Mormon system of eternity is an attempt to answer 
what happened to my brother after his death. Hmm. So hard to say. That that's not you can't document that. You have to connect the dots. But yeah, so the idea is that in the celestial kingdom, if you're going to be exalted and continue toward godhood, um, you can have you bring your family with you. But in fact, you can't you can't achieve that without a family setting. So th- there will be some people who are in the celestial kingdom who won't be able to continue on into exaltation. Hmm. They're um, single people. Um, I think that I think probably a single male would be the one most likely to to be in that category because he never got married in the temple on this earth or in the spirit world done for him. Um, so, yeah. So, but by and large, you're not exalted without your family because the whole point of exaltation is to increase your family throughout eternity, and to uh, as you increase your family, then to populate a world or worlds where you become the deity of that world. Mm. Well, and we'll get to that in a second, because again, yeah. that people hearing that right now might be like, what did you just, wait, what did you just <laughs> yeah, say? Really. And again, that's the, that's yeah. the, probably the weirdest part of this, I think, for a, for a Bible, someone raised in a Baptist church or something is when yeah. they get to this level of understanding of Mormonism, it really starts to diverge from biblical Christianity. But here's a quote from Mormon uh, documentation. It says the divine again. This is the, what the Mormons say: the divine plan of happiness enables family relationships to be perpetuated beyond the grave, which is, I think, which is ingrained in like your family, right? Mm-hmm, so that's yeah. why, even though not everyone was kind of maybe at the same place Level or whatever spiritually, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. there's still something about that that's that's encouraging to us yep. that we want to believe. Yep. And it goes on to say, sacred ordinances and covenants available in holy temples make it possible for individuals to return to the presence of God and for families to be united eternally. So what are they talking about there, that these ordinances and covenants that are made available, are they talking about the proxy stuff that goes on? Well, they're talking, if it's you in your life, yeah, it's the same ordinances. They're talking particularly about the temple endowment, Mm -hmm. which is all about how to return to Heavenly Father, and then the temple marriage. So to get married, if you you know, you know and I are married not to each other, but to our wives. Mm-hmm. Um, in this world, married by... I was, I was married um, by a pastor of a, of a church. Uh, my, my marriage doesn't count for eternity. I will not be united with my wife for eternity, because I was not married in the temple. Mm. And I'm going to come back to a question about this, by the way, when we talk about exaltation mm. and and multiple spouses. But let, let let's go back just kind of to a let's come back to this again. When I think about this as a human being, as an American, I'm like, okay, that families are forever. I like that idea. That's a good i I love my family. Yeah, I love my wife. I love my kids. I would love to have a relationship with my family in heaven. But there's a difference between what the Bible says about families in heaven and what Mormons say. For Mormonism, as we've mentioned, families are central. Like it's a, in fact, it's one of the appeals of Mormonism mm-hmm. is don't you want, don't you love your family? And it's a very family-centric right. religion. Right. And Mormons have accused me before um, of, of believing that I won't even know my spouse in heaven, that I won't even know my kids, that... that that the biblical conception of heaven is there are no relationships at all. So, Ross, where does that come from, and what's a what's a biblical way to understand that? Yeah, I'm not sure where that comes from. I think it's a straw man created by you know the al- alternative to their system. Mm. If it's not this, it must be this. You know, um, the Bible indicates that we would know each other in in heaven, that we'd have a relationship with each other. The relationship won't be defined by um, the kind of relationship we have now, it'll be even better. So I know Mormons can't think of something better than heaven where they're united with their family together. Mm-hmm. But the Bible portrays something even better than that, um, because we become the family of Jesus, the bride of Christ, we essentially become... The, the analogy is that we become like, like his bride, um, we become part of the family of God. So Jesus says, one day, um, Jesus is sitting around teaching... Some people come up and they say, hey, hey, teacher, your mother and your brothers are trying to get a hold of you. They want to come see you. Can, you know, they were outside the room, outside the house. And Jesus says, whoa, wait, who, just think about this for a minute. Who are my mother and my brothers? 
He says, everyone who does the will of God is my mother, my brother, and my sister. So he effectively trumped the genetic blood biological family system mm. by interposing above it a, uh, a system of who's related to God. Who's related to God is really my, my real family, my most important family. And so I think that's the way it is in heaven. So, so I'm, my wife is a Christ follower, and so she'll be there in heaven with me. Um, she'll be my sister in heaven. Um, we'll we'll know each other. We'll have you know, but it won't be it won't be the same. The basis of our relationship won't be our affection for each other or our mutual living arrangement or or whatever. Um, the basis of our relationship will be how much we both love Christ. Now we have a taste of that now, but when we're in face to face with Jesus. The presence of Jesus will become the number one thing, mm. and my love for my wife will become the number two thing. So it won't be like it was anymore. So the thing they have to, I think, the challenge Mormons with is like, if if your family's not there, but Jesus is there, would that be a better heaven? Hmm. And that makes you think about, okay, what maybe it, maybe my family's an idolatry. Maybe I love my family more than I love Jesus. So I say, well, if Jesus was there, but my family was not there, I would not be satisfied. Hmm. That's a, I think that's a challenging thought. And again, to me, it comes back to the theme that we've been noticing throughout all five of these weeks, and it just, Mormonism, Mormonism takes Jesus down. Mm-hmm. You know, cri- biblical Christianity exalts Jesus to the highest place. It's all about Jesus. Again, that doesn't mean my marriage isn't important or my kids right. aren't important. It's just that Jesus is primary right. and, and Jesus is at the center because that's the biblical pr- perspective of eternity is Jesus is at the center. God is on the throne. You're not on the throne. Yeah, God's on the throne. Yeah. But again, that doesn't mean, because I remember, Ross, growing up, I, I remember the first time a Mormon said that to me. They said, you don't believe in, you don't believe you'll know your wife in, in eternity. And actually, my response, I believe now my, my response was wrong, because I said, no, I don't think I will. And I think the reason I had that in my mind was, Jesus said, there's no marrying in heaven, there's no giving away right. of marriage in right. heaven. You won't know her as your wife, though. <laughs> right. You might know her as a person. Correct. Yeah. And so that's what I think I misunderstood. Mm-hmm. I, I do, and I think a lot of Christians have this misunderstanding, that they they think about heaven as this white place with harps and... And just very sterile and what well that sounds like an insane asylum to me the more I think about it. <laughs> yeah. That's not probably the more the, I don't know where that comes from, where my yeah. idea about that came from, but for whatever reason I kind of had that idea. It's just very sterile environment. But the biblical pers- picture of heaven is 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 vibrant and you know, streets of gold and colorful and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so relationships very just because there isn't just because I'm not married to my wife in heaven, which by the way makes sense, because look, you, your first wife passed away, and now you and both of your wives love Jesus. So who's so who am I? Who am I married to? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there's not a there's not an answer to that if we believe that marriage exists in heaven like it exists here, right? Unless the answer is polygamy. Well, <laughs> which <laughs> which has been an answer in Mormonism, correct? Historically, yeah. correct. And we'll yeah. get to that. In a future episode, for sure, I think we'll, I'm, we'll probably do yeah. many episodes on polygamy. But but the point, I guess, what I'm saying to Christians is, I would encourage you to investigate what what the Bible really says about heaven. Right. Yeah, and because I I think if you're interacting with a Mormon and your your response to a Mormon is is to negate family relationships and to make it sound like that families aren't important, I don't think you're going to really win over any Mormons. Right, and it may not even be true, you know, so it's... Exactly. You know, what's the... Yeah. It's not biblical. Yeah. What, I, that's what I realize yeah. is I think my perspective on it was off a little bit. And, you know, there's a great book out there. Randy Alcorn wrote the book called Heaven. If you want to kind of have a different, a broader perspective of heaven, of of what heaven yeah. might be like, uh, biblically encourage people to read that. Yeah, that it's was only about 500 pages, but go <laughs> yeah. for it. Well, there's a shorter version oh, okay. of it too. So I, yeah, p- pick the shorter version this, of it. But this for those, that's for the second heaven. Is yeah, that yeah, that's right. Okay, so Ross, we we got to we got to come to this other thing because again, this is where Mormonism gets, from my perspective, really weird. And I think a lot of people don't, a lot of Christians don't even understand this because I'm not sure that this is something. 
that they're probably going to emphasize if a Mormon is first talking to you. They're probably going to make Mormonism sound very much like Christianity, yeah. like it's another denomination. But Mormons, Mormons, the focus, the eternal, the focus in eternity for Mormons in the highest heaven is on becoming gods. So help us to understand this, that this concept that we talked last week a little bit about, this concept of exaltation is something that is available, if I understand it right, only to people who are in the celestial heaven. Right. But when you're in the celestial heaven, you're not actually done? You're not done. No, the celestial, you get to the celestial kingdom, basically, to put it like uh, maybe a little bit crassly, is you've, you've made it into God school. Right. So now, but still, you're not done. You just made it into the through the portal mm. that allows you now to figure out how to master the principles of the universe and and all the things that you would need to be able to do to govern as a god. And some people are probably thinking you're putting words in their mouth. You're make that sounds crazy. You're making it up. But I, I, let me read this quote. Right. This is again. This is from Mormon documentation. This is not anything we've come up with. This is you can find this out there on the internet. It says this, those who inherit the highest degree of the celestial kingdom, okay, so this doesn't apply to celestial and terrestrial, Mm -hmm. but those who inherit the highest degree of the celestial kingdom who become gods must have been married for eternity in the temple. But so look, it says, look, if you've made it to the celestial kingdom, am I reading this right? Yeah. You've become a god. You've made it to God school. You you haven't become a god yet, but you you, you can become god. In the highest level of the celestial kingdom, so you get you keep progressing until you get to the place where you can be where God is now. Now they'll say you can never catch up to God; He's always going to be higher and more exalted than we are because He's still, I guess, progressing too. But um, so we will never get we'll never catch up to Him. But we could be in a, we could be like Him in the way in, in all that he in all that he is right now. So now this is a sensitive thing because to say, oh, you can become a god, that that is strikes most people as like, what? You know, blasphemous maybe. So the LDS church and LDS people more have tempered their language a little bit. More often you'll hear them talk about becoming like God. But like God in what way? And what they mean is that that you can ha- do everything that God does. So deity is not a quality of... We talked about this at the very beginning when we talked about the nature of God. Deity is not a quality of being, but it's a role or state. In other words, it's not intrinsic to who or what you are, but it's something that you attain and that you can then um, practice or live in. So yeah, this is what brings us full circle, because in episode one, we talked about how how did you say it, Ross, that we are the same species yes. as God? So there's not really a distinction. Again, this isn't biblical, by the way. I want to make sure to say that. Yeah, yeah. We're not talking about what the Bible says. We're talking about what Mormons believe, which we don't agree with, and we'll explain that in a second. But basically, it's that that we're God, just like God used to be a man. Mm-hmm. So, so, so let's bring this full circle, Ross. Basically, is it true that Mormons would say that God lived on an earth— that God was a was a was what do we call it a pre in the preexistence he an was intelligence. A, he was an intelligence yeah. then he was then he was born to his heavenly father and mother in in the spirit in, realm in a spirit world of some preexistent spirit world somewhere yeah. and then some parent some mom and dad somewhere on some earth like place some planet had a child mm-hmm. who is who eventually like like lived on on that planet, like we're living on Earth, mm-hmm. and and did all the right stuff, so he made it into this from from. I'm trying to get this all right. He he made it from paradise into the celestial kingdom because mm-hmm. if he didn't make it into the celestial kingdom, he couldn't have he progressed. Have, right. So he made it into the celestial kingdom, and from there he progressed to eventually become a god. Am I getting that right? right? Yeah, and he became our god. Yeah, that's the implication of it all. Now. Latter-day Saints would maybe different. They might say, "Well, we can't know all the details about that, or we can't know exactly how that worked out." But the implication is clearly that. Uh, remember, we quoted from the famous couplet from a Mormon prophet named Lorenzo Snow: um, "As God, as man is, God once was; as God is, man may be." 
So yes, as man is now, God once was. He was living on a planet, whatever, living in a world, and he had a God above him. Sometimes people will, will refer to that as some a grandfather God, or, you know, who's the God for our God, you know, and, and who is the God for that God, because that's all implied in the idea of eternal progression. And then the word for this, okay, so there's a couple, there are a couple words, like you said, eternal progression, but the word for this in particular is exaltation. Mm-hmm. So exaltation is when you become a god, is yeah, that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. So again, only, only people who make it to the celestial kingdom can become a god. And you can even, am I right about this, that you can even get there by having someone else do the ordinances for you? Apparently, otherwise, what's the point yeah. of those proxy ordinances? Yeah. So that someone who wasn't born in Utah in, in the in the late twentieth century, yeah, yeah. you know, has the same chance, you know, opportunity as as your neighbor who's the bishop. Yeah, and so, in theory, there could be gods and planets out there all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, it's a logical extension of the doctrine of the concept of eternal progression. Because if every one of us could be a god, if you take, you know, 13, 16 million Mormons in the world right now, and you say 1% of them might make it to the celestial kingdom, even the ones who are alive today, not meant to mention the early Mormons or whatever, you know, um, then that's 160,000. Hmm. If it's one-tenth of 1%, it's still 16,000, you know, so yeah. Okay, so do Mormons believe... I don't know if you can answer this or not, but do Mormons believe that Joseph Smith now is a god of his own planet? Uh, probably not, because because the final judgment of this earth has not occurred. I see. And so he would not have had opportunity to enter into the celestial kingdom. I gotcha. So so it's on hold. God God's school is on hold for the time being, because the end of the world hasn't come. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Ross... What's wrong with all this? <laughs> like from a, I, like uh, someone might listen to this and say, "Well, yeah, but we're, you know, there are." M- w- this sounds like the multiverse, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, this could totally be true. It, it it does sound like it sounds like multi-level marketing. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. You know. Um, well, so first, here's the thing: is is you get a variety. This is official. This is official LDS doctrine. Um, as you mentioned, you know, it is downplayed. Like, I've had missionaries, I've met with missionaries who just flat out um, denied that the Mormon Church teaches this. Do you think they were they believed that the Mormon Church didn't? I don't know. See, that's okay. the thing. It could be that these are young guys, they're, you know, they're 19 years old. Yeah. They might have been converted to Mormonism three years ago, Yeah. you know? So it could be that they don't really understand, you know, standard Mormonism or the big picture. Yeah. Um, or it could be that it's like um, one like one guy who was one BYU professor was once teaching the Mormon missionaries. He said he said don't answer the question they asked. Answer the question they should have asked. Mm. You know. So there's there's a little bit of there's going to be some deflection politicking that, that goes on. So they might not you know just want it, it is sensitive. It's it's a, sort of a milk before meat approach. Mm. And so if I'm the investigator and I'm asking you about de- deification, that's kind of meat, and I'm not ready to chew on that yet until I make some earlier commitments to Mormonism, and then then I'll be um, initiated into the higher mysteries. Yeah, which really brings us to this. If you're listening to this and you've been in the Mormon Church for the last few years or maybe the last few decades, and you're hearing this for the first time, I would say leave the Mormon Church. I mean, honestly, like I would say, if you're really hearing this for the first time and you feel, because I know people feel this way, you feel maybe fooled. Yeah, like too. Because again, we're not making this up. We're not making, this is what the Mormons, this is not folk Mormonism, this is official Mormon doctrine. Like, and if, you, if you're listening to this and you recognize, your spirit recognizes that this is not true, because I've met Mormons like that, yeah. then I would just humbly say to you, this, the response is to, is to leave the Mormon church. I know that's hard, but to leave the Mormon church and find a Bible-believing Christian church, not, not just any old Christian church, yeah. like... A Bible-teaching, yeah. Bible-believing Christian church. Yeah, I've seen the whole spectrum. I've seen people who just didn't know, 
uh, maybe they had not been initiated into the temple yet, or they're just living their Mormon life in busy activity and enjoying the social elements of it. And the, uh, and I've seen people who know that this is what the LDS Church teaches, they, but they don't really adopt it. They say, well, you know, uh, that, that, that part doesn't really matter to me or mm. whatever. Um, and I've seen people, I've talked to people who say, man, this is the thing I love most about Mormonism. Mm. It has this incredibly high destiny of human beings, and this great grand narrative for the human story is like un- unsurpassed. Mm. Um, so they love the idea of, of eternal progression and exaltation. But again, the problem is it's not biblical. Yeah. And that's why, you know, in, in week two of this series, we've talked about Scripture. And, you know, if you believe the Bible, then you believe something very different from exaltation of a human being. The, bi- the picture of heaven, Revelation 21, is a great, a great passage, the second to last chapter in the Bible. And it says there, I heard a loud shout from the throne. This is sort of a vision of heaven saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne, which wasn't a a human being, it's God. God. He said, look, I'm making everything new. There's this picture of this new city, and and God is on the center. God is in the center of the picture, and that's where he should be, because God is different from us. He is altogether different from us. We will never be a God, according to the Bible. We will never be a God. We will always we exist to worship God and to be in relationship with Him. Yeah. So the focus of heaven or of eternity is not about us becoming like Him. The focus is on our relationship with Him. That we're going to enjoy Him. We're going to be in His presence. We're going to be uh, fulfilling everything He created us uh, to do when He made Adam and Eve in the garden. I believe, and and it'll be a a, a time and a place where really it's just about focusing. That's why, you know, again, it says he'll be at the center of the city, the heavenly city. Um, there won't be a, a sun or moon because the glory of God is all the light that's needed. Mm. And so really that becomes the focus for the Christian um, for what makes eternity great. Mm. Which, by the way, if our, if our picture of eternity is focused on Jesus, then our, our lives here on earth can be focused on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if our picture of eternity is focused on us, then our lives on earth is, are going to be focused on us and the yeah. ordinances and be, trying to be a good person. Yeah. And that's just not a biblical approach. Yeah, that's a great way to connect those dots. To faith. All right, Ross, it would not be right of us to conclude an episode on what Mormons believe about eternity without talking about outer darkness. So we talked about these levels of heaven and exaltation and eternal progression, but there's there's one last thing that we left out that probably most Mormons would most missionaries would leave out. I would I would venture to guess they would leave out as yeah, well. Yeah, it's in the missionary lessons, but it's not um, super emphasized at all. And so missionaries are going to have discretion about whether they talk about it. Outer darkness. So the question, to back up for a second, the question on this is like, we said that the Bible envisions two destinies, heaven and hell. Well, what is the, does Mormonism have a concept of hell? Well, yes and no. So for some, peop- some LDS people that I've read and talked to, their idea is that hell occurs in the spirit prison, in the spirit world, when you realize all the mistakes you made in this life and you can't undo them and you realize you know, how far away you are from God and so forth, that, that there's going to be a hell-type experience. Mm. Maybe it's purifying, maybe it's just punitive. But others believe that the only real hell in Mormonism is outer darkness. So when the final judgment takes place, you know, I, you remember like... Um, in, in high school, when you tried out for a sports team, they would post the list, uh, the cut list, mm-hmm. on the on the uh, door of the gym, mm-hmm. you know, and you, all the guys were looking around and seeing, is my name on that list or is it on that mm-hmm. list, you know? Well, the final judgment, when they post the cut list, mm. you know, you're, you made it to the celestial kingdom, or here, you made it to the junior varsity kingdom, or you made it to the C team, you know, and then here's this other list, outer darkness out there. Very small list in Mormon thinking. It's only reserved, but it's definitely reserved for Satan and his demons. Only a few people will actually go there. And, and there's some debate about that. People who knew the truth, they knew the power of God, but denied them. 
will be sent there. Mm. So the question, I don't really know the answer to this, I don't think LDS people have got an answer for this, is, is does it, do you just have to have like left the Mormon church to go to mm. uh, outer darkness? Or is it there, I've heard often there's an implication that there's more there, that you had to have like a sure, revealed knowledge hmm. of Jesus and of the Mormon gospel that was maybe it had a vision or something like that, and you reject that, then you go to outer darkness. So in any case, it's, it's the place for, there's only a very few human beings who don't make it into heaven hmm. um, and who will be consigned to be with Satan and the demons forever. So is it, is it only folk Mormonism? Because I've heard, Ross, that... I've heard that the teaching is that if you leave Mormonism, then you go to outer darkness. So is that not official doctrine? The official... Um, I've never seen anything official that says who goes to outer darkness. Now, official Mormonism def- uh, identifies the, the place called outer darkness, but I've never seen anything that definitively says, oh, here's how you know. You know, so it's so that's why there's some interpretation. Mm-hmm. The interpretation does fall into kind of folk Mormonism. Well, that's what Mormons believe about eternity. And Ross, this kind of concludes our sort of first five topics on this podcast. But the Unveiling Mormonism podcast uh, is we're going to spend a lot more time over the course of the year talking about all kinds of things: Joseph yeah. Smith, Book of Mormonism, or Book of Mormon Doctrine and Covenants. Um, there, we've got, I think we've got 40 or 50 topics, and I'm sure we're going to continue to add to those topics. So I just want to encourage people who are listening to this. Number one, we, we re, it's really helpful for us if you like this, uh, whatever that means, wherever you get your podcast, if you find a way, and if you're old people like us, it might, this might be a learning curve here. But <laughs> if you like it, if you comment on it, if you share it with people, that just really helps to promote the podcast so more and more people can discover this. Right. And so we really encourage you to do that. Also, we encourage you to go check out the resources that go along with this podcast. PursueGod.org forward slash Mormonism is one place. You can find this series, What Mormons Believe. You can find all of our podcasts there and discussion questions and so so much more at PursueGod.org forward slash Mormonism or Ross's website, a sister site to Pursue God faithaftermormonism.org. And so we just encourage you, keep coming back every week. Keep coming back and share this with someone that you know really would be encouraged by it as we continue to unveil Mormonism. Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.